Welcome to the WordPress Photography Podcast, the podcast for photographers who want to learn how to get the most out of WordPress to grow their photography business. You don't need to be a geek to understand WordPress. Settle back and listen as we show you how. Now, here's your host, Scott Wyden-Kivowitz. Welcome to episode 20. My name is Scott Wyden-Kivowitz and I'm joined by my co-host, Rachel from Photoscribe. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. So WordCamp Boston was this weekend, was it not? It was. I had some family stuff, so I didn't actually make it, but I heard it was awesome. It was a really good time, and they were giving out beach towels as opposed to t-shirts, and I heard that went over well. So yes, always a fun time. I was so bummed to miss it. It's, It's really one of my favorite weekends of the year. I know. I gotta say, WordCamps are awesome, but I think one of my favorite things is just seeing what kind of swag that they give away to all the attendees it's yeah like you know just the fact that um you know like WordCamp philly when i spoke at WordCamp philly they gave away um you know an iphone battery backup charger thing yep um uh i think when i spoke at WordCamp boston it was a t-shirt that was different from the attendee t-shirts yep um oh philly uh philly attendees got the 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 charger speakers got a uh a raspberry pi the little, little yeah. computer. Um, so that I was heard that. I heard that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. One year we had, I have this right here. This is the WordCamp. We were at MIT, so we got this beaker thing. Um, <laughs> and I like, you know, little things like that that remind me. I, it is funny. When I go to the gym, all of my t-shirts are WordCamp. Mm-hmm. So I'm like the geek at the gym. And when I was getting ready for the the WordCamp this weekend, even though I didn't make it, I was still like, I should wear like a 5K t-shirt to the WordCamp and really mess them up. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's a little geek humor. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, so WordCamps are fun. Uh, well, I'm glad it went well. Um, sorry you couldn't make it to it. Um, I think WordCamp New York City was also just recently at, at the UN, which was interesting. Um, I didn't go to that one. Uh, also, bad, just bad timing, but... I uh, heard that went really well. So, I know um, it's hard when it's like in July and things are like a thousand degrees mm-hmm. and getting in and out of the cities. And, yeah. you know, I'm kind of looking forward to September when school starts up again here in Boston and everything kind of gets back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> and then December, uh, WordCamp US comes back to um, Philadelphia. So I'm excited yep. for that. That should be fun. That was really, that was really good last year. So, yep. Um, all right, so let's, uh, before we dive into the Q&A, because this is episode 20, and we're going to do the Q&A episode, yep. uh, 10 questions for uh, every 10 episodes, yep. um, let's talk about, real quick, WordPress news. Um, by the time this episode airs, WordPress 4.6 should be out. Right now, at the actually, as of today, the official um, RC, the release candidate, which is basically like a beta that's uh, a final beta for everybody to test before it actually gets pushed as an official version. That's out today, or actually as of last night. So 4.6 should be out by the time this episode airs. It's not a major release. Uh, There are a bunch of fixes, a bunch of patches. There's nothing specific for photographers to really worry about in this update, but it's a big update from 4.5.3 to 4.6. So, you know, run your backups and then do your updates. Yeah, and see what happens. I mean, we, you know, for something like this, I always recommend to wait at least like the seven days, let the first adopters get it, even when it's out of beta, and just see if there's any kinks. Um, but then, yeah, always keep yourself updated. Yeah, totally. All right, so this is the second of many Q&A episodes to come. Uh, and again, like we just said before, we hope to do this every 10 episodes. Um, if you have a question that you want asked on the podcast, 
You can submit it at imagely.com slash podcast slash Q. Just Cute. submit it there. Yes. And, it and again, will... there's no stupid questions. We yes. promise you we've heard it all. We've seen it all. We've asked it all. Right. Yep. So we want to be a resource for you guys as much as we can when it comes to WordPress and photography. Yep. And if you don't want to use your real name, that's fine. Use whatever <laughs> name you want to use. We don't care. We just want your questions. So um, speaking of which, let's start with the first question from Jane. Jane asked, uh, what size do you recommend uploading to uh, a blog post or gallery? Now, we talked about this with um, Mark from Flow, th- from Flow Themes. And we kind of touched upon it in our episode with uh, Jared Bauman, actually, too, because yeah. I was going back and listening to it. So I'm going to let Scott answer first, and then I have a, a, a little bit of a rebuttal. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, f- it depends. Uh, blog posts and gallery, I would actually say, are different. Um, yeah. In a blog post, you don't need it to be large. You need it to just fit the blog post so that it's on the website, looks good, it's big in the content area for your for your theme, and that's really about it. So if your theme is as wide as 600, make your images 600. Right. If your theme has a wide content area of 800, make it 800 pixels, whatever it is. Um, but if it is a portfolio gallery or something to um, really sell yourself, sell your work, you want it to be larger because you want people to be able to see on a big screen right. to click on a light box and have it nice and big and, and beautiful. So for that, I personally recommend uh, at most 2,048 pixels right now. That's what I'm, my recommendation. And I say that because that is the iPad um, optimal size, basically right. meaning... iPad Retina, too. Yes. It'll look beautiful on an iPad Retina. Um, I'm not sure, so sure about the iPad Pro because that's a much larger screen and yeah. it's a different Retina um, resolution. But either way, uh, you want the big image to be 2048. You want the image displayed in a thumbnail gallery or a slideshow to be smaller because that way it'll load faster. Right. So... Uh, make sure that whatever gallery plugin you're using, or if it's a WordPress gallery, whatever it is, it's displaying the image small, or small enough, big enough, but small, to see the image. And then when you click it and it opens in a large light box, that's where you have 2048 uh, pixel image displayed. Right. Um, and but don't upload like the 5,000. Right. What we're saying here is the 2048 is the maximum that you need for even those big Lightroom gallery Correct. light box. Because that's what it's called when it just pops up on box. your screen. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I will say that whatever images that you are uploading to your website, whether it's for the blog or the gallery, run it through software like JPEG Mini. Yes. Um, in fact, uh, if you use JPEG Mini Pro, which we've talked about in the past, you can uh, in- integrate into your workflow in Lightroom or Photoshop seamlessly. So yeah. uh, make sure you uh, check that out. And if you don't want to use JPEG Mini, there are WordPress plugins that can do uh, c- compression for you during upload, which will slow down the upload, but it'll do it during upload. So. so that's for the gallery. And then sort of what Scott talked about before for the blog post, it really is theme dependent. And a lot of photographers are still on the theme called Pro Photo, either version 4 or version 5. And up near your publish panel, if you're on a pro photo theme, it tells you the uh, optimized size for your theme. Yeah. And what I actually recommend is you go one or two pixels below what it tells you. So if it's like 849, and it's really strange how all those different pro photo templates have these strange uh, pixel sizes. Because if you go one pixel over, what I found out in the world is that it then compresses it and adds this extra WordPress compression on it. 
And then also with the version, um, what was the one that just came out? 4.5 that had the extra compression. Mm -hmm. Yep. that combined with the Profotos sites specifically, I've noticed a lot of very um, uh, pixelization, no matter what the pixel size is. So if you're uploading at the optimum size and you're still noticing some strange things, um, I would contact your website host, contact if you have someone who helped you with the website, or reach out to Profoto directly if that is who you're using as a theme. Well, yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, yeah. let's move into the next question. Awesome. So Amy asks, do I need to blog consistently to be noticed? So again, Scott and I have sort of differing opinions Mm -hmm. about this, but um, this is why we want to have a discussion about it and we want to share it with you guys. So um, I... My recommendation to the photographers that I blog with is yes, by blogging at the same day and the same time once a week, and that's really just as simple as it is, or at the same day and time once a month, by getting yourself on a schedule, you're actually... um, blogging for the Google robots. So you're telling the search engines, which Scott is going to agree with me on, but you're telling the search engines when to come back to your site and that'll uh, get you higher in the organic SEO rankings, which then will help you with all your other SEO rankings. I mean, it's only one part of a robust SEO strategy, but it really, what I've seen now, um, I've done over 2,500 blogs with photographers all over the world. And the ones that blog consistently just once a week at the same day and the same time, their organic SEO rises within six months to uh, more than what I've seen in my experience than the people who don't blog consistently in terms of their organic SEO numbers. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree that, um, you know, as far as SEO goes, consistency is 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 definitely an important factor. Um, and in the show notes, when I say no... Uh, it really references the fact that um, you don't need to blog consistently, consistently to get noticed. There are a lot of photographers who don't blog consistently or even at all, and they're doing very well in their businesses. Um, right. So it really depends. Uh, I will say if you're not getting noticed and you're not seeing yourself ranking well, um, start thinking about consistency as an option for maybe this will help. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, the it's not really that I don't agree with you. It's that I think that there's evidence to show both sides of the coin, and uh, you can do it without being consistent. But you can definitely do even more. You can do a lot better if you are consistent with your yeah. blogging. Um, so, and that's, that's a good way to put it because as photographers, we're creative people. So a lot of photographers that I talk with find, and, and me myself from my own blogging for Photoscribe, I find it hard to be on a schedule. You know, when the inspiration strikes to write a relevant blog topic, you do, you write it. And then the temptation is to release it right away as opposed to putting it in your scheduled, you know, queue. And I understand that because I've, I've done both sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, so it's good to talk about it. Yep. Uh, if you're just starting out and you need the SEO numbers and you need noticing and you're going to do it via your blog in conjunction with your social media, I think we're both recommending that consistency is is the fastest way to do it. Um, but if it's not, if it doesn't fit into your lifestyle, it's not a be-all, end-all. Like it won't kill your SEO if you don't do it. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next question, uh, I think it's pronounced Peart asked, um, when uploading images, should I go through the effort of removing spaces from my file names or just upload as is? 
So uh, I'm going to preface this with, uh, or really suffix it with uh, an example, but uh, let me answer it first. Definitely remove spaces. Yes, um, remove the spaces. <laughs> you want but to you can put in the dashes hyphens, or the underscores. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would definitely say hyphens before underscores. If you really want to use underscores, then go for it. But um, search engines prefer the hyphens over the uh, over the underscores. All right, um, put it here first. No. <laughs> so um, you never know how servers will handle handle spaces, just like you don't know how a Mac versus Windows versus Linux computer would handle them. Right. So you're better safe than sorry. And here's a good example. Um, we uh, at Imagely, we uh, did some, you know, we've got our own uploader for our, for images, for images, zip files, and so on. And at one point, all these bugs started pouring in about, you know, the, all the images are upload, the spaces are being replaced with some funky characters. And it turned out after some diagnosis it's one specific server in a specific language didn't wow. know how to convert to what WordPress preferred. And even though we have a custom uploader, we still use WordPress functions for the upload functions. And it was just renaming the images to some funky characters. And we wind up, what we had to do is basically write a patch for this specific configuration yeah. to replace it with a usable character like a hyphen. So... Um, there's and that, an I mean, that's, that's a server side example, but I have examples. So you do want to rename your images before you upload to put in the keywords. So if you're, you know, Boston wedding photographer dash wedding photographer name, you do want to do that before you upload because that the title in WordPress will automatically pull down into the alt tags or you can go in and change the alt tags. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to put in. Not only do you not want to put in spaces, but you don't want to put in um, weird characters. Like uh, I put in a, one of those accent goos, you know, the E with the thing over it. <laughs> and on the U.S. servers that I was working on, it worked. And on the European servers where this photographer was on, it didn't work. It broke. So the photographer himself didn't see his own images, even though I was seeing them because of the strange character name and the way the server was. So... Not only do you not want to do spaces, but you also don't want to have weird characters. So I guess really, if even if the underscore's out, just use regular letters and hyphens. Yep, for sure. And numbers are okay too, right? <laughs> yep. yep, numbers are okay. Cool. All right. Awesome. Next question. So Kate asks, when should I blog? Um, this is right up your alley. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is my, my life right now. Um, so... Uh, Scott actually wrote out a really great answer here, and I'm going to agree with him. Timing should depend on your target audience. Um, the question is, how do you capture that? And so the best way to do that is to set up your Google Analytics and start collecting. When do you blog? When? Uh, what has the best rate of return? Um, there's some other tools that Scott's going to share too, but um, it's all about trying and measuring and seeing what works. Um, it's interesting because some photographers want to talk to other photographers. And so photographers are a weird bird in that they work Saturday nights. And so Monday nights, they're online. Whereas if you're talking to brides, your brides are online during the work hours. Not that they're supposed to be, but they totally are. And Saturday nights is when they're out having fun with their friends. So they're not necessarily on social media either but you'll get more of a rate of return on a Saturday night for a bride audience than for a photographer audience. So it really depends on who you're talking to. Yep. Um, so I, I like to add that um, 
you know, blogging and and capturing that audience right then and there is great, but it goes beyond just I push the blog out and people happen to be on my site that time because that's how I optimize it and that's when they're coming back and blah, blah, blah. It really goes beyond because you also want to hit them on social. You also want to hit them on yeah. email and especially email more than anything because social media, who cares? It can go away any second. Right. Um, you, if you have an email list, the, that's that's your bread and butter right there. So here's my recommendation on top of just, you know, when when should I blog is figure out when are people on when they're your followers and your likes and your fans and everything on social media right when are they there two tools to, to figure that out is one is called optimal scheduling it's an experimental uh, tool that right that buffer is working on right now which should hopefully make it into their official tool set eventually and the other is called follower wonk it was a company that moz acquired and we'll link to those in the show notes um both of those can tell you basically you know, when when are the optimal times to, to tweet, to do a Facebook post. And if you want to do it manually and dig into it yourself, you can look at Twitter analytics, yep. Pinterest analytics, Facebook insights. You can look into all these and figure it out yourself. But then on top of social, that's, so that's how you hit them on social, right? Get them to go to the blog post on social. On top of that is your email. And there's a lot of email marketing tools out there. And the one I use is called MailChimp. And I use MailChimp too. It's fantastic. And they have a really cool feature that actually analyzes your list yeah. to determine the best time on a specific day that you say the best time to send that email based on their open and click rate history for the email, that list overall. So the beautiful thing is if I say, okay, the blog post is going out on a Tuesday, which is what I do. Um, I do Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, typically. And if the if it goes out on a Tuesday, then I want to send an email out on a on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday. What's the best time to send an email uh, for this list with this content? You know, yeah. so that, what what will get the best open rate, the best click rate, and the, in 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 the end, more reads on that content. And Mailchimp will tell you that, right? Exactly, they will tell you. You, you basically you pick the day and it tells you what time. Now the you know there's other tools like ConvertKit and Aweber. I don't know if they do the same thing. Yeah. But I know Mailchimp does it, and it's it's fantastic. And Drip so. was just acquired by Lead Pages. Uh, by Lead Pages, correct. So Drip is another Mailchimp alternative, and Lead Pages is a sort of service where you can create uh, landing, landing pages. pages. So, yes. in theory, the combination of those two will make that more powerful too. So there's mm-hmm. other options besides Mailchimp. Um, I think Mailchimp is definitely the easiest and the cheapest if you're just looking to set it up. And I think I heard I was listening to Copy Blogger. There is a way so that when you post a blog on WordPress, it will automatically go out through Mailchimp yep. through a list. Yeah, yep. yeah, I do that. See, I don't, uh, I do do that you do well. automatic? I do the yep. email list part manually just because I want to add that personal touch, but I yep. see the benefit of doing it automatically too. Yeah, so um, basically that started where uh, FeedBurner, which was acquired by Google, and then Google just sort of left it static and might shut it down. Um, FeedBurner had an email subscribe feature. And it was very popular, but people couldn't have access to the actual email addresses. So uh, MailChimp built in an RSS email campaign, and that's an amazing thing. I switched to to that right away. Did you? Um, And so the nice thing is, so here's an example. You're listening to this podcast. If you want an email notification when there's a new podcast episode, and you go to imagely.com slash podcast, you can subscribe to new podcast episodes. And basically... um, Don't you need the RSS on the end? 
Well, Isn't it podcast slash RSS or by just putting it into MailChimp, it'll automatically find it? Right. So, so okay. basically, we have an email sign up for the podcast. And yep. um, when, the, when, when listeners do that, that night, on a Thursday night, they're going to get an email saying, you know, a new podcast episode has been published. Here's the title. Here's the link. Here's where you can get it on iTunes. Here's where you can get it on um, Stitcher. Here's where you can get it on Google Play. We fill in all the gaps. It's all awesome. basically done using merge tags. And Mailchimp handles that all for for us, you awesome. know, so we don't have to we don't have to send that out manually. We're just notifying everybody who's subscribing, right? Automatically, so that's it's, great. Yeah, and as a thing. photographer, that could be very helpful in all of your business. So Correct. I think the question starts: When should I blog? But I think the follow up question is: Your your blogging your blog is only one part of a again a bigger social media strategy and some would argue that it's the most important because it's the only element that you own like you own your website versus you don't own anything you put on Facebook or Twitter or right. et cetera et cetera yep. so if you blog first then social sh- share it then email share it and o- those are all at separate times then you're yep. continuously hitting your audience at different times and yep. so you're getting different uh, parts of them or values of them yep. so. and, and don't be don't be afraid to reshare. Um, you know, there's yes. a, I want to in the future. I want to get a guest on from either Buffer or CoSchedule or, or you know, so one of those companies to talk about resharing because it's a really important thing. And uh, I, I think that somebody from one of those companies could probably break it down in a simple level. Yeah. Um, so I actually wrote an ebook. Um, it's about a year old now, so the screenshots might be a little out of date, but it's called Beyond Blogging, um, and it lists what you talked about the retweets and getting into social so yeah. we'll put those in the show notes yeah. too if you're interested um sure. it, it definitely goes beyond just blogging and how blogging is a base for all of this yep. so um, awesome great so uh am i next you, yeah you're next, next yeah okay. so <laughs> talia asked my wordpress site isn't sending emails what do i do so typically what th- when that what that question means is uh i've got a contact form and somebody filled out the contact form, I didn't get email. Or I use an e-commerce plugin and a sale was made and I didn't get the email. Something like that. So typically when that happens, it is because the server does not support uh, PHP mail or the WP mail function or something like that. So there's an easy way around this. Um, You have an email address. Most likely these days your email address is a Google Apps, basically a Gmail email address or you might have it should be it should be. i don't know that yeah. all photographers are there yet yeah um i think hosting companies are making that easier and easier to yes. automatically set up but um or you might be using you know godaddy's email or hover's email or whatever right Google's your registrar's email, email. Okay. right yeah so here's what you do um there's a plugin called wp mail smtp the smtp is how your it's basically a protocol that uh, your email client uses to send email. By using this plugin, you can put in the SMTP credentials for your email account, and WordPress will actually, your WordPress site will use that to send all emails, basically bypassing um, the server's mail function, or in this case, the lack thereof, the server's yeah. mail function. So if you, and we'll link this plug in the show notes, if you are having mail troubles, Try this plugin. It's very easy to set up. All you need is the SMTP credentials from your email client, and it's done. It, everything else is done for you. Okay, so that's like the DIY technical that you should do. But if, like, 
even just hearing that, I was like, what? Too many letters, too many. Um, call your host. This is yep. where having a managed hosting plan or someone that you really trust is important because the first thing I would do is I would call my hosting plan and say, my email isn't working. Please help. Whether yep. it's a plugin, whether it's your host, whether it's your server, and you should be on Gmail. So it's $5 a month for um business Gmail so you can have like mine is Rachel at Photoscribe and that is powered by Gmail where before I had Bluehost and so it was Rachel at Photoscribe powered by Bluehost and the difference in uptime downtime technical when it's powered by Gmail is is a huge thing and again that's something that your your website host can or should help you with so Scott's answer is the right one, and if you're DIY and you want to do it yourself, that's the way to do it. If you're like me, call your website host, and if your website host says, I can't help you, then that's really, you know, maybe it's time to look for a different website host. Agreed. So, okay. Lena asked, I did a Google page speed test, and it recommended I eliminate render-blocking JavaScript and CSS in above-the-fold content. Should I worry about this? Okay, so I'm going to read Scott's answer. (laughs) Um, Because... So some of the, to break the question down, mm-hmm. do you listen to um, Reply All? It's a Gimlet Media podcast. And yeah, I try to catch them when I can, yeah. I love them. And they do this yes, yes, no section where they take something like really geeky and they're like, do you get it? The geeks are like, yes. And the regular person in the room says no. Apparently I'm the regular person <laughs> in the room here. So <laughs> um, I just want to focus on above the fold content. Because I was having a conversation with a photographer and they didn't realize what above the fold content mm, means. That's a good one, yeah. So um, when you, in the olden days of having a newspaper, when you threw the newspaper down on your desk, remember those days, guys? What, wait, what's a newspaper? <laughs> I know, right? And there are going to be people who say that and that worries me. Um, so it, it, the newspaper was always folded. When you threw it down on your desk, the above the fold content in a newspaper was the stuff that caught your eye first. So when they were creating the front page of the newspaper, they would put the most important or most eye-catching stuff then, right? In the website, it's the same thing. If you're looking at it on a normal screen, like a laptop screen or, or, or a big computer screen, they call the above-the-fold content the stuff that you see without having to scroll down. So again, that's where you want your brand label to be. That's where you want your most important stuff to be because that's the stuff that people see first when they get to your site without having to do any interaction. Yep. So should I eliminate render blocking JavaScript and CSS in above the fold content? That's just asking should I eliminate the JavaScript and CSS in that above the fold? So the stuff that your people see first when they hit your website. So here's Scott's answer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes and no. There are many other things that you can do to speed up your website, like being on a good host, which we just talked about, optimizing images, which we just talked about, and another vote for JPEG Mini here. Um, they are changing photographer workflows without compromising quality. Yep. Um, using Cashin's plugins properly, which I agree with, but Cashin plugins can be very confusing, so that sort of goes back to having a good web host that can help you with that or has that already installed for you. Yep. And and the word properly is very important there because yes. you can definitely use a caching plugin the wrong way. Right, and slow things down. Yep, or DM- break, or break. Pre- yeah, no, I've done it, but, and I just <laughs> cry, you know. <laughs> DNS prefetching, which I'm going to let you talk about. 
Um, if you've done everything you can that's not too technical, then sure, dig into the technical parts, which is what the render blocking JavaScript and CSS is. That's a right. very technical term for things that you may be able to accomplish with not so technical. Yeah, and and if you ask me to even explain what eliminate render blocking JavaScript and CSS is, <laughs> I, that even goes over my head exactly what it is. Um, okay. There are plugins that do that, but I've never tested them because... I don't think that the performance improvement would be that much to really warrant it. I think the other things that, that you know, Rachel just mentioned from my, my you know, answer <laughs> um, would would do enough to make it uh, a lot faster. So um, what is DNS prefetching? Yeah, so this is fairly new. Right now, only Chrome supports it, um, but other browsers will start because it's a very important thing. So basically... A lot of sites these days use some like Google Fonts, right? A, a cloud-based font or Font Awesome, which is a yep. cloud-based uh, font icon. For example, the the Imagely themes use Font Awesome. Next Gen Galleries is Font Awesome, and so on, um, and many other things. Or you might use Optin Monster, which uh, is you know, or Lead Pages, which is yep. you know, pop-ups and things like that. Um, they all are calling scripts, CSS or JavaScript from external sources. Right or Google Analytics, for example. Yep. Probably ninety nine point five percent of photographers and websites are using Google, Google Analytics, right? We hope. We hope. <laughs> so there's a, a Google Analytics script on your site. So what basically what DNS prefetching is doing is you're putting in the the, the domain of in, in sort of it's a little bit different than just the domain, but sim- to simplify, you're putting in the <laughs> domain without the script in it. Just if it's Google Analytics, it'll be googleanalytics.com, sort of, right? Um, and 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 the, and the DNS the, the plugin that do DNS prefetching actually walk you through this. But um, all you're doing is putting them in, and then what happens is the browser is saying, "All right, uh, I'm loading the website, but before I load the website, I know that you're going to need this and this and this. So I'm going to grab that while the website's loading, so that your website loads and this loads at the same time, and it doesn't slow down the website. Wow. So it's a little little thing that just it. It literally is prefetching the extra data from external sources yep. that you will need, um, and there is actually something called uh, DNA, uh, prefetching of your own content. So you can prefetch, for example, there's a plugin called um, uh, Instant Articles for WP. I think is the name of it. Where basically it can prefetch on one blog post. You know how you have a before and after, a previous and next blog yep. post. It'll basically prefetch blog posts that are either internally linked in the content or um, internally linked in the previous or next, so that if somebody clicks it, that'll load instantly all the oh, content. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so, I mean, again, very technical. Yeah. Um, yep. Chrome browsers only, which, you know, not all of your clients may be looking in. Right. Some are even probably in Internet Explorer, the horror. Or Edge. Or Edge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, again, very technical, but, you know, a really good question to ask. Yep. All right, um, let's go even more technical. Yeah. Keith asked, should I switch my site to HTTPS everywhere? So what this basically means is, you know how you go to a, web- a website like Amazon and you see that little lock key, right? And then Amazon is actually HTTPS, you know, colon slash slash Amazon.com. Right. Whereas your site might be HTTP colon slash slash photography, Whatever. right? Yeah. So... HTTPS everywhere basically means the entire site has HTTPS. Whereas maybe if you were selling your own photographs on your site, 
typically it only needs to be on the e on the e-commerce section or the checkout page or the cart. Doesn't the S mean it adds an SSL certificate so Correct. that in theory it is safer than a site that doesn't have the S? Yeah, so basically now HTTPS or SSL or even TLS, which is a whole other thing, um, they're not guaranteed secure, right? Right. It's not really guaranteeing that, that your site is secure to you or to your visitors. Basically, it's adding an additional layer of security and it's uh, that additional layer is being certified and told to your visitors there is an additional layer of security. You can feel more comfortable. Um, so um, I did switch to HTTPS and it helped my business in multiple ways. For one, Google now uses HTTPS everywhere or full site yep. HTTPS as a ranking factor. In and SEO. that was recent, right? That was recent, yeah. So if your site is 100% HTTPS everywhere, every single page, every single blog post, every image, everything... It will help your Google rankings. Um, it's not a huge ranking factor, but again, every little be. thing right. in SEO adds up. Um, second, people see HTTPS as a trust signal. They see that little lock. Even if they're not buying a product through the site, um, moving to HTTPS everywhere, uh, it, it's 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 that trust is is it's invaluable, really. Um, and, depending- and it's subconscious. Yeah. Because I don't think people realize when they see the lock or they don't see the lock about the trust. Because I don't know that people know, like consumers know what it is, but they know, hey, they've done the extra step to do it. Yep. Problem is it's not easy, right? Yeah. Well, so uh, if you have a good host, uh, your host can set it up for you. Awesome. Um, some hosts, like uh, Imagely, offer it for free. Nice. <laughs> Others, yeah, some you have to pay for. Some are, it usually goes between $30, $30 and $300 a year. Um, for example, we offer what per site uh, a free certificate. But if you have subdomains or anything like that, we don't wildcard, which are basically any subdomains, right. are not free. Those are you have to pay for. Um, so um, there are challenges, though, because uh, HTTPS Everywhere, moving to it is not a set it and forget it job. There are some challenges like you have to replace all images that you're including on your content with from HTTP to HBS. So you yeah. have to do a basically a search and replace of all that. And that um, can be big if you have a WordPress website for five years of business, oh, right? Yeah. I did it. I did it after you know over ten years, and it took a while for the server to do it, but in the <laughs> end, it did it. Yeah. Um, there are other challenges like you have to update your Google Analytics, you have to update your Webmaster tools, you have to do, implement three hundred one redirects. Possibly, depending if your host can't do it for you. Um, and you potentially lose all your share counts, social media share counts. So so it's th- like SEO, yes, SEO, no. Like. So so uh, Twitter and well, Twitter doesn't have uh, tweet counts anymore, kind of. Um, I'll, I'll get into that in a second because of the plug <laughs> I'm about to mention. Um, Facebook share count. So anybody shares your, your Facebook page. You had 100 shares as one blog post just on Facebook. You go to HTTPS, Facebook no longer sees that as the same URL. Right. It drops to zero. So um, here's my recommendation for that. If you move to HTTPS everywhere, check out the plugin. It's a paid plugin, and we'll link to this in the show notes. There is a free version, but I think the paid plugin has this feature in it called Share Recovery. Uh, social 
Warfare. I think we've even mentioned it in previous episodes. But basically, so social warfare is the name of the plugin. Yes. Share recovery is the function that we're yes. talking about here. Yep, okay. it has a feature that allows you to say, "I moved from HTTPS to HTTP." You can even say, "I went from www to no www." You can actually specify what the URL was to what it is now, and it will basically implement a script on your site that shows that to the social media sites, which then recovers your share counts. Wow, that's awesome. Yes.、Um, now, social warfare. I mentioned Twitter removed their tweet count. Social warfare also integrated with this third-party free system、uh, that basically recovers tweet counts using this、yep. this this API. So you can also recover your tweet counts with social warfare as well. So wow, well, that's、yeah. great. So the question is: Yes, you should move it at some point.、Yep. When you do. There, make sure that you have a good host to help,、um, and then when you do, there are other things to consider. But ultimately, especially with it being in the Google rankings, it is it is only going to get more important. Yep. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So John asked, "What is your best tip for an established ten-year semi-pro photographer with a big library of photos to market and make money with it? Maybe selling on a WordPress site." Um, so、uh, Scott and I both recommend Next Gen Gallery and Next Gen Pro for selling photos on your WordPress site.、Uh, it is designed for managing a large library of photos and selling them both as prints and digital downloads.、Um, and I'll let Scott talk more about the specifics of it. But we there are other plugins、uh, marketed towards photographers. Um, we haven't found any that is as robust, but we're always out there looking because I think this is a niche where, especially WordPress itself,、um, being so ubiquitous, this will get you away from some of the、um, having to have some of the what does it replace like the smug mugs and the、yep. Zenfolios and and having it all in house.、Um, it, it's a big transition for sure because you know it. it You really know, need to know how to manage the sizes on your server space and whatnot.、Um, but I, I just can't say enough good things about having everything that you own everything and having it all in your domain. You、yeah. know, so those are the tools that we recommend: NextGen Gallery and NextGen Pro. Yeah, and、uh, I'm not going to get too much into it, but、uh, we'll link to it in the show notes so you can check them out if you're interested.、Um, well, I think the question I have for you is that is Lab integration. It's underway.、Coming? Yeah, yeah. so I think that is going to definitely take that from the next level because then when lab integration there is, you know, like if you have Zenfolio as a photographer, your clients can go in and just order prints from your lab, and if NextGen Pro is going to do that, which it is, you know, you're going to take that. It's going to take that WordPress to the next level. So、yep. it's something to definitely keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah,、um, and there's a lot of cool things we're working on,、uh, including hopefully addressing the whole what do I do if I run out of space on my host. Oh, good. Because、so, that's the biggest concern and question yeah, I hear. Yeah, it's、too. a biggie. I mean, we 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 address it kind of with um a little bit with our hosting, but um it is a it still goes even beyond that. So right. Yeah. Well,、All、it's、right. the same thing. Don't upload five thousand pixels yeah, yeah. anywhere. Actually,、right? I, I I address that um you know、uh, Nicole, who now is an Imagely customer. Um, she one of her questions was you know what do I do with all the smug mug images? And I basically said to her, um you know. On SmugMug, you were treating it as a backup. You weren't treating it as、right. this is my website and this is how I deliver to clients.、Um, you need to keep on what anything on your website is what's then and now for clients. It's not your website is not your backup solution. Your backup solution should be Backblaze and Amazon Cloud and、right. 
Um, you know, hard drives, lots of hard drives, you know, um, offsite hard drives, onsite hard, hard drives. You need lots of backups. You should probably have three to five backups, both physical backups and cloud backups of yeah. all of your images. Don't treat your website as a backup solution, please. Well, because it only hurts you not only in your business, but it hurts you. It slows down your website. By the way, Black Friday is my hard drive day. I will go anywhere for a good hard drive on Black Friday. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, All right. Okay, so my turn or your turn? My turn. Okay. Um, Ruben asked, uh, I've had a photo shelter account website since about 2008, and it has hundreds of images stored online. So what we were just talking about. Yes. I also have a blog self-hosted on WordPress. Hmm. Common. Um, what I want to know is how to best link the two together for both visitors, ease of use, and SEO. I currently use a Beam site, which pulls in my blog, but then lacks all navigation. So it sounds like PhotoShelter's Beam is pulling in WordPress blog content. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure. never used it. I thought that Beam was its own blog and stuff, but maybe not. Um, it seems like he has a lot of... of- things doing what WordPress can do on its own. Exactly. And this is something yeah. we hear a lot from oh, photographers yeah. is that you had a portfolio site in Flash. Yes, we get it. And then you had a blog site in WordPress, but WordPress can do it all. So I'll yep. let Scott finish that yep. out. Um, so if you're dead set on keeping your photo shelter account and if it allows for customization, customizing, which sounds like Beam might do, then I'd hire a designer to make a custom theme for your WordPress site and also match your photo shelter site to the same design. Now, we talked in the last episode with um, uh, with uh, Beaver Builder, right? So we talked with them, and they actually started from a, a design agency right. that uh, that made custom designs for matching WordPress sites to SmugMug sites. Right. Right. So this is basically the same principle. Um, so then, on your WordPress site, after the designs match. Right. You want to uh, add a link in your menu where, um, you know, where you're linking to your photo shelter or beam site, and then on the photo shelter site, mash that menu and link back to the main site. So make sure that they're they're going back and forth and they look identical. Um, If Beam allows for customization, then uh, a designer should be able to find a way to build a navigation. If it doesn't, then my recommendation would be go. 100% 100% WordPress. Um, right. Don't confuse people by sending them to some to a place that looks so different. You're losing the branding. You're losing trust because now they're like, where was I just sent? Right? Well, um, it's not only that. You're losing... If you blog, and if you blog regularly, and if you're doing all these things, and you're sharing your blogs on social, so everything we just talked about having a robust media uh, so SEO strategy is then doesn't apply to your website because all of that SEO juice that you're getting is going to your WordPress blog, but it's not going to your website, which isn't attached to your WordPress blog. It's a separate site. So your blog may be really high in SEO, but in this case, your your website isn't. So they're two different entities and vice versa. So say for some reason your uh, website is doing amazing in um in SEO, which is harder to do without dynamic content, dynamic meaning changing content, which is why the blog portion is so great for SEO because it gives you a place to change things without having to go and change the homepage of your website every week. Um, So, I mean, this really is a common problem for photographers and I haven't heard it in any other industry per se. And I think that's because photographers were the first to go to the web to have these beautiful portfolio sites. And then they were the first to understand that blogging is important and telling a story. But they seem to be 
and they and we, I mean, we're photographers too, seem to be the last to really understand that having both of those in one place on one server um, is what's important. So Scott and I obviously recommend 100% WordPress. The one company that I have seen do it well is ShowIt, um, where they have a separate website and a separate blog, but now they offer managed WordPress blogging, so it's all on one uh, server. So that's like one sort of go around, but I mean, even Squarespace may be a better option only because it's all in one place. If WordPress, you know, scares you, which it does for a lot of people, this is where we go back and forth between this WordPress Squarespace uh, argument in that both of them, if done correctly, are on the same so you have your website and your blog in the same place, so you're not losing anything from either source. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so we have uh, one question left, and then uh, do you want me to take this question? Since uh, I know I just did the last one, but this one's... Uh... Yeah. Um, one more thing about the moving everything over... Mm-hmm. I guess we should address, too, that if you're ready to come off of having a photo shelter or some something where, again, this is where getting the right WordPress host, a managed host, will help you move it over. Yep. Right? Uh, so, okay. Well, they may, maybe not from photo shelter, but maybe. You never know. All right. I, I just I think that this is where the concern is, is the fear. I mean, he says hundreds of images stored online. Yep. Like, I know if I had hundreds of images stored online, I would want some form of help and I think there are consultants out there too um, that can help you with that Um, Uh, one thing I will say is if you have hundreds of images stored online on a website somewhere make sure you also have that locally not online (laughs) (laughs) because don't treat a website ever no matter where the website is don't treat it as a backup solution right right. uh, I'll keep we're going to drive that one home (laughs) (laughs) I want you to not treat your website as a backup solution (laughs) Let's make websites great again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, last question. Um, Steve asked, and this is a biggie, what's the difference between shared and managed hosting? I love and hate this question because, um, and I did a big article about this. I'll link to the article. Yeah, I was just going to say, notes, he did notes. a great blog post yeah. on this one. So, if this, even if he talks about it and it's like, what, well, go to the blog post and check it out because yeah. it really is an important discussion. Yep. So shared hosting is basically hundreds of sites and customers on one server. If one site goes down, others can. If one site is hacked, others can be. Sites are usually slower because the server has to run so many sites. Um, if you need support, you have to contact your host, your theme developer, your plugin developer, etc. All maintenance is on you. Right. So they might, they might help you identify a problem, but they're not going to do anything to help you resolve the problem. Right, um, and that that can be really scary yeah. when things go down and, yeah. or get hacked, and they don't they're not your fault. Like you're hacked because someone else on the server was doing something wrong, and yep. you're in trouble. And then the host doesn't help you. It's very frustrating. Yep. And the best part is when you're on shared servers, and you um, call and you say this is broken. They're like, no, it's not. And you're like, yes, it is. And then it's all of a sudden mysteriously fixed. And you're like, mm, <laughs> yeah, that okay, that was broken. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had that happen. Oh yeah. So shared hosting, uh, the key thing here is that you've got hundreds of sites on one server, right? So you're, you're literally renting, you're leasing, basically, um, space with 
It's like an apartment building, a car, apartment complex, not just a right. small. But you're talking. Think about a complex that has hundreds, hundreds of rooms right. of apartments that you can rent. That's basically what you're doing, except it's virtual, right? Um, manage hosting is not a hosting style, right? It's not a shared versus private server. It's not a shared versus cloud server. Manage hosting is basically a hosting company that manages your website for you, right? right? In theory, that's what they're doing. So there's different types of, ma- of managed hosting, including shared hosting. Right. SiteGround, very popular host. I actually hosted with SiteGround before Imagely had our own host. I did too. SiteGround is a shared host. SiteGround is a managed shared host. So, yes, they're a shared host with different levels. They have shared hosting on just regular servers. They have shared hosting in cloud servers. But it's shared, for one. And two, it is managed. So if you do have a problem, they're going to help you fix the problem. They're going to go out of their way to make sure they're helping you fix it. Um, So a managed host typically means that uh, a host is maintaining your website. They're making sure that it doesn't go down. They're making sure that you don't have... um, slowness they're making sure that uh it's running fast and a bunch of things they also handle a lot of different support issues uh so if you need help with a managed host you you give them you contact them uh and they do everything they can to you know make sure that's up and running except for doing custom development work they won't do that to resolve your problem but quite often if they see a problems with a certain theme or plugin they might do a quick patch saying all right you had a problem with XYZ. I did a patch. Here's what I did. Please submit it to the plugin developer so that they can write that patch into the official version. Right? So yeah. they might go out of the way and write a quick patch for you, but they won't do any custom development. Um, so in the end, managed hosting providers could be shared servers, VPS or virtual private servers, which is a mix between a private and a shared server, cloud servers, and private servers. Um, so to give you an idea of the difference... Um, GoDaddy has uh, managed shared. SiteGround has managed shared. WP Engine is managed cloud shared. Um, uh, did I say SiteGround yet? Yes. Yeah. SiteGround. Uh, and then Imagely is uh, managed cloud, individual cloud servers for each, each, each domain, really, each site that you install. So. Right. And the cloud versus actual servers is a larger discussion, but um, I think... For small business owners, the managed versus just shared, unless you're married to a tech person or have a best friend that's a tech person, it's that peace of mind that, especially with WordPress sites, because they're powering 20, 25% of the internet, you know, it it keeps going up. They, they get hacked. They get, you know, you get, uh, you get attacks on your site. The question I always get asked is, why would I get hacked? I'm just a server in, you know, Connecticut. Um, and the question is, is because you're out there. It's because you are on a server somewhere. And so it, they're not necessarily attacking you for you. They're just attacking you for what you are paying for your space. And there's, you know, if they see you're a WordPress website, there's just a no, there's known vulnerabilities around in yeah. older versions. And if, if somebody sees you have a website and, you know, they know there's a vulnerability, they might try to exploit it just because they can. Right. right? So, right. Um, yeah. So going on top of what Rachel said, um, you know, yeah, if, if you have somebody that is, you know, very technical, understands it, and you don't need manage, fine. But 
Um, if you need manage, that little bit of an extra expense that it costs to have a managed uh, host versus a non-managed, in my opinion, is well worth it. So, well, it could save you money down the line when you oh, have yeah. to pay five hundred dollars to somebody to fix it versus when you've just been paying that extra money in the monthly cost. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, this is where these business expenses come in, and this is where the yeah. peace of mind and stuff like that. Yeah, and if if you're someone who's scared of WordPress, if it is intimidating. Ma there's nothing better than a managed host for you. So yeah, the other thing I like about managed hostings um, is that they usually have a list of consultants that they work with. Um, whereas if you just get a shared host, you know, I've gotten on the phone and been like, "Well, what do I do next?" And it's like, "I don't know. Right. Fix it." Um, yeah. Okay. Well, is there a list of resources that you recommend that I can pull from? No. Okay. Well, that you know. I, so then you're on your own in that case. Yep. I don't know. I just I have felt with shared hosting like the lack of handholding. I mean, it 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 gives me. But I'm not there now. But when I anytime I had to change my site or someone else's site, you know, it was like I don't know if I want to do that just in case it breaks. You know, and I do know what I'm doing, so I can only imagine people that have really no no understanding of it. And they, they shouldn't have to. Like, as photographers, your main business focus is learning how to use a camera and create beautiful images and connect with your client. You know, fixing PHP should not be in your list of things. And if yeah. it is, power to you. Call me. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's um, well said. Yeah. So um, that's our 10 questions. Um, I did want to also mention uh, there has been a blog post that I shared on Photoscribe about writing for SEO as a photographer, and it's gotten some traction on Facebook, and I just wanted to share it with you guys here. Um, essentially, it just says that writing for SEO isn't as important as being consistent, which we talked about today, um, and writing for yourself um, and just letting your own personality as a photographer shine through while you're telling your client's story. Um, so all of this technical stuff we talked about today, it, it all kind of runs into it because it's important to use your website as your virtual storefront. So everything we talked about getting all this technical stuff under control is so that you can show people who you are as an artist and who you are as a photographer and who you are and how your clients can relate to you. So I talked about that a little bit in this blog post and it's in the show notes, show notes if you want to check it out. Awesome. Well, this is a, this has been great. Another, another 10 awesome questions. Yes. Uh, I'm excited for episode 30, which I have another 10. So yes. uh, if you want to get your question in for episode 30, which will be another 10 questions yep. uh, and another 10 episodes, yeah. uh, please. I can't uh, believe we're at 20. I this know. is so exciting. Yeah. And, uh, and we have 21 already scheduled, which I'm yes. really excited. That's we have some great really great guests coming up too. So, yeah. uh, and um, another thing is if you, if there's someone from the photography community or the WordPress community that you would love for us to talk to, let us know. You can, um, there's a Facebook group. Um, you can tweet at either Scott or I, and mm -hmm. we'll put their you know Twitter handles out there. Um, you can go to Imagely. There's a contact form. So just let us know. We're happy to research and do you know whatever you want us to do. Yeah. Sorta. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, if you want to get your question in for the next episode, it's Imagely.com/podcast/q, and that's how you'll uh, be able to submit your question. And if you want to catch the show notes from today's episode. You can do so by going to imagely.com slash podcast slash 20. 20. Yeah, exciting. So uh, thank you, and uh, until next time. Bye.
You've been listening to the WordPress Photography Podcast. To listen to other episodes and to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more, please visit imagely.com forward slash podcast.